Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill me with the word desperately needed to sustain life. And let me speak in the name of God, the Father and Mother of us all. Amen. Reading the lections appointed to this second Sunday of Advent year B, lots of songs come to mind for me. I simply cannot read the story of John the Baptist without hearing, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Uh, that's from Godspell. And even the 8 o'clock crowd sang along with me. So well done. <laughs> well done. But we're not done yet. We're not done yet. Now oh, we get this beautiful poetry from Isaiah today. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Now some of you may be thinking at this point about Handel's Messiah. Every valley. But I can't read this. I can't read this beautiful expression of that no matter what, whether we are ready or not, God is coming to be with us. I can't read it without thinking, ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Taking y'all back a bit today, all right. <laughs> and of course, right off the bat, right off the bat this morning we read, Comfort, oh comfort my people. Which it makes me think of that banger of a hymn that we're going to sing later today. Comfort, comfort ye my people. Look forward to that. <laughs> All these expressions of good news lift my spirit and brighten my mood until I look out a window, until I take a look at the world around us today. Then I can't help but cry out and ask, comfort? Comfort? Seriously, comfort? That's where the tradition takes us on the second Sunday of Advent? Comfort? Really? You didn't know my voice could go that high, did you? <laughs> Me neither. I mean, it's hard. God, it's hard to look out a window or open a news website or scan a social media feed and see comfort. War rages in the Ukraine and in the Holy Land, we've broken the record for the most mass shootings in a year. COVID is still lingering around. There's an election looming that could decide the fate of our democracy, and the temperature of the planet continues to rise. So I ask again, comfort? Seriously? Comfort? The author of Mark's Gospel, the evangelist, if you will, lived in a time of great discomfort as well. Mark's Gospel is believed to be the first of the Gospels written sometime between 66 and 70 CE. Israel was in open rebellion against Rome, 
Jerusalem was under siege. The general who commanded the Roman forces fighting the rebellion in Jerusalem had just been named emperor along with three other guys. So the empire was teetering on the edge of collapse as well. So it is interesting how the evangelist begins this story of Jesus. He writes, the beginning of the good news of Jesus. Good news and comfort. These notions are hard to hear right now. They are cognitively dissonant to the times, both, both then and now. It's safe to say that Mark was trying to understand Jesus, at least enough to explain why Jesus offered an alternative to the conflict between Rome and Israel. To explain Jesus, he starts with John the Baptist. And to frame John the Baptist, to give John some context for the audience to understand him, he refers to Isaiah. Isaiah is mentioned in the text, but the quote is part from Malachi and part from Isaiah. Malachi refers to sending one ahead to prepare the way, while Isaiah speaks of a voice crying out in the wilderness in chapter 40. The mixture here is interesting because the book of Malachi talks a lot about God's judgment. Interestingly, Isaiah 40, on the other hand, marks the shift in that book from judgment to reconciliation. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah deal with judgment, specifically God judging Israel and sentencing them to exile. Isaiah 40 is the shift to the journey home, to Israel's repentance, to Israel's reconciliation with God. Binding these two prophets together, especially with their themes in mind, when referring to John the Baptist, does two things. One, it clearly places John the Baptist in the prophetic tradition of Israel. And two, it highlights that John's preaching about Jesus is a turning point from judgment to reconciliation. We are beckoned this morning, beckoned to read more of this good news of Jesus. John the Baptist beckons us to dive deep to the teachings of Jesus, to know not only the words, but also the good news itself. We are beckoned to know Jesus. Also, we should take note that the turn from judgment to reconciliation is not made on denial. Israel is not forgetting its sin. It's made on repentance. John the Baptist definitely called for repentance. He was not playing nice with the, with the powers that be. No, he called them out for their sins and called for repentance. If he hadn't been calling for repentance, there wouldn't been, have been any reason to kill him. And the same goes for Jesus, too. We are in another moment when the institution and systemic sins of our society are being called out. The invitation for reconciliation is out there. But for there to be reconciliation, we can neither deny nor forget the sins of our past. Not just as individuals, but as a society as well. There must be confession and repentance. Simply put, 
I must confess that we have made an idol of the economy. We've made an idol of oil. We have made an idol of guns. My point is simple. If we are going to move past our idolatry as a nation, our flirtations with fascism, and our neglect of the most vulnerable in our society, we must repent, which means to turn in a different direction. John the Baptist made straight the paths of the Lord. He called the powers that be to repent so they could move from judgment to reconciliation. I pray we as individuals and as a nation repent. I pray we turn so that we may receive forgiveness and move towards reconciliation. Amen.